You're listening to the Names Not Numbers podcast, the annual ideas festival produced by Editorial Intelligence. Sculptor and painter Maggie Hambling in conversation with Kirsty Lang. Some of you may have glanced up at the wall and seen a series of exquisite miniatures of waves uh, painted by Maggie Hamlin, who is uh, resident in this area and has long been inspired by the North Sea and, of course, whose uh, public sculpture, the scallop, graces uh, the beach at Albrecht. It is my pleasure to be in conversation today uh, with Maggie. She's one of Britain's most celebrated artists. She is uh, both prolific and unafraid of confrontation. Uh, She has always refused to pander to the conventions uh, of the art world. Uh, Her portraits are in the National Portrait Gallery, and several of her uh, public uh, sculptures have seized the headlines, including, of course, uh, The Scallop and Conversations, a conversation with Oscar Wilde. Uh, Some of you may have seen it, which is opposite uh, Charing Cross Station uh, in London. Now, before I uh, start talking uh, to Maggie, I wish to show you a film, uh, which is of an installation that she did uh, last year, Uh, which was inspired by Benjamin Britten's uh, War Requiem and which was installed at Snap, at Snape Maltings, where we were uh, last night. And this is a film of that installation. And then Maggie and I will take the stage afterwards uh, and uh, have a conversation. I'm afraid there won't be any time for questions because we're short of time. But please enjoy the film first. creative process of what we've just seen. So in the dovecote, we have a series of busts, we've got the battlefield paintings and, and, and victim paintings. As you're putting this together, presumably, you're listening to Britain's War Requiem. Well, I certainly listened to the War Requiem quite a lot uh, during making the paintings in my studio. And one or two of, the, one or two of these strange kind of dismembered heads had already happened, although I didn't recognize what they were at the time, you know, a few months earlier. Uh, because, you know, you can see you've done something that might be something one day, but you don't know at once what it is. And then we were all asked to, uh, the artists in Snap were asked to respond to Britain in some way, and the war requiem had always meant so much to me, I took it on. Um, and I knew that I wanted the dovecote because of its slight resemblance to uh, this room at the Jewish Museum in Berlin, and the feeling of a chapel. It has a lot going for it, that little building. 
Uh, but I didn't know how it would be until I got the work there. You know, you can't really think ahead with all these things. You just have to see how it all feels once you get in the space. And then it sort of hung itself. I think you, you've said more than once that a subject chooses me, not vice versa. How did this choose you? I mean, I know obviously it was a commission, but in, 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 in the sense of what Britain's war requiem means to you, and you said it was something that you, that you had always loved. How did, that, how did that start? Well, I've heard the record uh, of, of the war requiem very soon after its premiere at Coventry Cathedral in the mid-60s when I was a student, and I hadn't heard anything quite like it before, sort of... Uh, the hair stood up on my back, and like one time I saw Nureyev dance, you know, you, suddenly something is coming from an extraordinary place that's some, from somewhere other or something. And I just thought it's, it's, well, the grandeur of that music and, you know, the reiterating bells, it brings so many things together. I mean, the sort of the vulnerability of the people, the violence, the terror, the, it, was it is just a master work. And so that's why I took on to try and do something about it. And, and also, I mean, the, it's very important. I mean, good old oil paint, right? You know, to try and say the thing with putting a bit of paint on canvas uh, without looking at any photographs or anything. I mean, all those figures and battlefields, people and battlefields are from the imagination. Um, because you know, we sit and watch the television news and in this completely passive way. You know, it's really quite bland. You see people being shot to death. You see cities being burnt. You see all this, just sort of you sit there. And I wanted to try and do something about it <laughs> with oil paint. I mean, because it isn't film and it isn't photography. And I was trying to you know, push the paint as far as I could while it was... Uh, would still register the human face. I mean, looking at those, those blasted faces and that destroyed landscape, which is very, very powerful, I wondered what sort of place you have to go to. I mean, imagining you in your studio with the Requiem blasting and you, you know, painting those, particularly those, 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 those victims' faces, do you go to a very dark place? <laughs> yes, I go to a dark place every day. <laughs> a very dark place. Artists are concerned. Um, well, we should be concerned with death every day. And, uh, and I think, you know, great art like uh, Rothko or Rembrandt or Van Gogh, the great masters have this ability to take you to this place which contains both life and death together. They are there together, and so it takes you into this mysterious place that you don't, that, uh, that you don't know about, but you know, what it is, you know what it is to be alive and what it might be like to die. I mean, art, you think art is about bringing those two things together. Do you work every single day? I, well, mean... I do. I mean, otherwise I go pottier than ever, <laughs> so I, and I, th I find it much better to get up and work in the early morning than to lie in bed and worry about everything. I'm sure a lot of people are like that. So I get up very, very early, which tends to stop the worry. And uh, <clears throat> if I'm working with the sea, I, I get up very early and go and draw the sea in a spookily old-fashioned way in a sketchbook. 
just to get into the rhythm of it again each day and uh, come back and make the paintings in the studio. I'm very boring, I'm a workaholic. <laughs> and uh, because of the getting up so early, I can quite often be asleep by the second episode of Coronation Street. <laughs> to which I am addicted. Now, talking about the, 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 the sea, um, of course, I mentioned the scallop there, which is also a memorial to Britain, but I think you called it, the scallop, a conversation with the sea. Yes, well, uh, the, the sculpture is installed so that it is in communication with the sea. I mean, the sort of runnels of the, 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 the curved part of the shell kind of echo the waves. And, of course, because of the, ero <coughs> the erosion, I mean, the, the sea has come in at Thorpe Ness and, gone, and the shingle is out at Albright. The shingle's been pushed in at Thorpe Ness and come out. So when Scollop was first unveiled, it was actually much closer to the sea than it is now, but it's still near enough the sea to be in this sort of... It was a double thing, like the sculpture being in conversation with the sea, and uh, it, it is... I mean, I conceived of it as a place where someone could sort of sit and contemplate the horizon. And, I mean, a lot of people talk to the sea, you know. I mean, it's a sort of natural thing to do. And it's a bit like an, an ear in some ways, isn't it? The scallop or the sort of shape. Could it be an ear to the sea? Well, if you see it that way, Kirsty. But I mean, <laughs> part of the uh, part of the um, inspiration. I mean, it came from the very simple thing. The thing of using the shell from the simple thing of when you're a child and you put a shell to your ear and it makes the sound of the sea. I mean, that sort of was this very simple sort of beginning of it. And then the scallop shell being the symbol of the sea and of pilgrimage and of love. It had got a lot going for it. And Peter Grimes, as we heard obviously about last night as well. I don't know if he likes shells, do we? <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, that phrase from yeah. Peter Grimes is very important, that I hear those voices that will not be drowned, so that's again. I mean, but when you look at a, a painting, you are in a kind of conversation with it, a, a totally mm. silent conversation. I mean, you know, the way to look at a work of art is in silence within yourself so that it can speak to you. I mean, that's quite a difficult state to be in. I mean, it's, and it's rather like making a piece of work. I mean, I try to get all my own bullshit and baggage out of the way so that the, the truth of the subject can come through me onto the canvas or through me into the sculpture, whatever it is. And, I mean, that thing of a subject choosing me rather than me choosing a subject was said to me by my very first art teacher at school, and I still hold true to it. I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely no good at being told what to do. So, I mean, Surely not. no point of gallery ordering <laughs> ten of them or something like that, because that's not what I'm about, it's not where it comes from. I mean, I make a piece of work in response to something that moves me. Um, and heaven knows what. I'm not a fortune teller. Uh, you know what, in six months, I don't know. It's up to life. I mentioned that uh, the, the, the scallop, when it was first installed, caused a certain amount of controversy uh, oh, locally. Yes. Uh, how did you feel about that? I was shocked. <laughs> I was so shocked. <laughs> I mean, I what was your response? To, did people come up to you in the street and say, I don't like that, or, or not? Well, 
Not exactly, but I mean, it really was a shock to me because, you know, I mean, I made it because uh, uh, I was cross, because Alborough, in which we have the privilege to be sitting today, did not want a statue of Benjamin Britten, clearly its greatest son, okay? And uh, it, that made me very cross. And it was quite by chance, um, a, a friend of mine, the painter Vanessa Thomas, came to tea and said, oh, I thought there was going to be a statue of Benjamin Britten in Alborough, and I thought you were making it, Maggie. And I said, you're potty, Vanessa's the first I've heard about it. But that made me think, and I remembered newspapers saying, no statue of Benjamin Britten in Alborough. I remembered that, and it made me cross. So I, so I sort of set about trying to do something myself. And then, I mean, most public sculpture is commissioned, but it wasn't. So I had to do, have to do with them getting the money together. And I was largely helped by Simon Loftus, who ran Adnam's Brewery at the time. And we all kept writing letters, and we finally got there with the money. Yes. Did that answer your question? Yes, I think I did. Right. Now, I want to ask you, I mentioned at the beginning um, the sea and moon paintings. I'm sorry I didn't finish my answer. Okay, go on. So, I've just remembered, I've just remembered the question. <laughs> so, we got the money. I worked with the pegs along there, Park Road, workers with steel for 100 years. Um, and I, and I so gave this sculpture to Suffolk Coastal District Council, or gave it to Albra. And I was very shocked that they weren't grateful. You know, I had, this, I had this, this sort of thing, they'd want to touch my raiment or something. Like, you know, make me a freeman of Albra, something like that. Quite the opposite. You know, they didn't want it. I mean, a lot of them. And there's still people here today who don't. Although the graffiti has stopped. <laughs> so I was shocked, really. Ungrateful, I thought, impolite. <laughs> now, as I mentioned at the beginning, um, uh, the, the, the tiny miniatures uh, that are at Snape at the moment, um, we can actually purchase these, can't we? And, uh, you can at yes. bargain prices for some. <laughs> but tell us about them. Well, uh, they, they began because... I was at the end of last year, beginning of this year, you know, the last days of December, the first days of January, I was going in the very, very early morning to the sea to draw it. And it was so dark that you often, I couldn't see where the sky ended and the sea began. And, uh, I mean, Giacometti likened the whole thing of making a work of art to a blind man groping in darkness. Well, this was physically and literally like that. But it was a very exciting thing to try and do. And the moon was obviously very present. You know, the moon was part of the paintings. And I suppose uh, it's about the corniest subject you can think of, the moon and the sea, you know, the last word in romanticism. So to make paintings that are not corny is quite a challenge. And I, I should just, I, I'm being told to wrap up, but I just want to ask you one thing. Wrap up already? Did, I know, but just, they, they're very tiny, but when I went to your studio yesterday, you've got these huge canvases of the sea wall, um, a, a wall of sea, um, a, a series of them, which you started doing several years ago, and it's almost like a kind of premonition, wasn't it, of the water coming? Well, I couldn't tell what was, <laughs> what was going to happen with the weather, but certainly, I mean, those, those big paintings are inspired by enormous waves, unnervingly high waves crashing onto the seawall at Southwell, which you think of as a very sort of polite place, you know, and suddenly this roar of crashing nature. 
And this was the end of 2010. And then, as life would have it, they started doing it everywhere, annoyingly. <laughs> Well, I'm, I had lots more questions, but I'm afraid that's all I've got time for, I'm afraid, um, because I think you all have to make your way to Jubilee Hall now. So, Maggie Hambling, thank you uh, very thank you. much. Thank you very much. Yes. This podcast was produced by Sarah Peters for Editorial Intelligence, with thanks to Vodafone, FT Weekend, CNN, GQ, and all the partners and participants who made and make Names Not Numbers possible. Thank you for listening.